All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of What's What VR. Today, we have two guests with us today. We have Kelly and Sonny from MAD. How are you? Good. How are you, Brandon? I am good. It's hot today. It is. It is warm. I don't know where it came from. Somebody told me this morning there was like a cool front coming in, and I thought it was today. Absolutely not. It is. Not today. Done. I looked. I think it's this weekend, but it couldn't come soon enough. I am over the heat. So. Yeah, we're ready for the fall. If you, if Louisiana, you can really can't really say we have a fall, but yeah, definitely ready for the fall weather. There's a fall at my house. My <laughs> wife has pulled every orange thing that we have <laughs> and put it all over the <laughs> That's house. That's great. That's so great. We've got pumpkins and everything. So if they can't have one, you can come have one at my house. Um, <laughs> so jump in. I guess uh, start with you. You know, Sonny. You know, for any, I think everybody knows Matt, but like, you know, just we talked a little bit, you know, beforehand, you know, talking about, you know, victims, you know, first, you know, they kind of, what's the, what's the short version? What do people either, maybe a little of what they know, what do they not know? Kick sure. Us off. So the organization itself was, it's a nonprofit organization, obviously. MAD, the acronym stands for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And oftentimes when you hear people, when people ask, what do you do? And you say that, they're like, oh, she's an angry one. And it's not about that. There are basically three components to the mission. Um, We are a victim services first and foremost uh, organization to where we support victims who have gone or going through the core process of losing a lost love, a loved one due to impaired driving. Uh, We also educate in our schools uh, the dangers and risk of underage drinking. And um, we want to eliminate impaired driving, bottom line, really. Um, There are so many preventative measures that we can take these days. You've got Uber, you've got taxis, you've got transportation all over the place. We have a phone book in our cell phones, you know, people that we could choose to call to come get us for a ride. It's just too easy not to get a DWI these days. And the risk and dangers out there are unbelievable. Um, and they're still going on. And um, so Matt is an organization that definitely wants to serve victims and, and, and help eliminate impaired driving out there. Kelly is a victim service specialist. She can give you some insight on some of that um, and what she does as well. But we also want to talk about our upcoming walk, which is our main fundraiser event of the year. It's our, our Louisiana statewide walk, which is coming up on October 23rd. It'll be held at the Breck Forest Park um, Community Park off South Harris Ferry right there next to the Canes Park. It's a great, friendly, family fun event. Uh, where we also honor and uh, give tribute to lost loved ones who have passed or have been injured by impaired driving. So, um, so it's a great way to get the community out, especially after being cooped up for so long that we have. You know, it's it's a nice way to get out and and bring awareness and have a good time at the same at the same time. So, but Kelly could shed some light on you on what Mad does specifically with victim services. Yeah, yeah what is victim services? At the you know, Kelly, give us a, what's a day in the life for you? Well, sure. And uh, honestly, before January 2016, I had no idea what victim services was. But um, in January, my twin brother, Scott McGuire, was killed by a uh, drunk driver. He was actually a special agent based in New Orleans who was working uh, undercover on assignment in Miami. Uh, he was on the sidewalk when a drunk driver rammed into him. And uh, she actually kept on going and tried to hide her car. But um, Scott was in a coma for eight days before he passed away and uh, leaving behind his uh, five-year-old son and best friend. They were just absolute best buddies and his wife and his, 
our parents and my sister. So, um, so before then, I didn't know what MAD was or what they did for victims. Uh, I would have just guessed that they just go to schools and speak to kids, but no, they're here for, for everyone who's been injured or any families of those who's been killed uh, in impaired driving crashes. Um, Sally Matson was my victim advocate. She guided us through the court process and she helped us with emotional support. You know, this is this was the um, most difficult time in all our lives and we didn't know what was upside down and right side up. Um, she, you know, referred us to counselors. She, you know, helped us find, find help for Scott's son and just, you know, anything we need, she was there for. So uh, now that's what I do as an employee of MAD. I, I guide victims through the criminal and civil court process. You know, most of these people have never been in a courtroom in their lives and suddenly they're going to court and like, you know, wanting justice for their loved ones. And so you kind of tell them what to expect, how long it's going to take and make sure they're getting answers to their questions uh, from the district attorneys who are just amazing to work with. Um, we also have monthly peer support groups. So it's where a lot of family members of loved ones who've been impacted, they get on this Zoom just like we are, and um, they talk with each other and give each other a lot of support. When you feel like you're alone, you're the only person this has ever happened to, well, then you can bond with others going through that same awful grief process. Wow. Well, I wasn't expecting that. That's, I'm sorry about your brother. That's horrible. Thank I you. Thank you. Don't know where to go, you know, from there, but I'll somehow try to get us back, you know, to kind of where we need to be. What, you know, Sonny, how does, you know, I think, you know, Kelly probably mentioned it. What a lot of people think is, you know, MAD is, you know, they're creating the papers, they're going into the schools, they're going and talking to kids, yeah. but you know, even to me, this is more of a, I've heard a little bit, you know, prior to this, you know, for, you know, what exactly it is, but it sounds like there's a whole lot more to it than just we're trying to tell kids, you know, don't drink and drive or don't get impaired and drive. You know, right. now it's a lot more than just drinking and driving, I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. There are so many ways to be impaired. That's why. And I, there, another program that we have is the Victim Impact Panel. I've worked in that for almost eight years now. That is actually a class that's held throughout the entire state of Louisiana in about 26 cities. Um, typically once a month, when uh, someone gets a DWI, a condition of their probation would be to go to a MAD class. Well, that's a victim impact panel. And actually, that's how I met Kelly originally when she became a MAD volunteer. Um, basically, it's a class, like I said, condition of probation. They'd have to get a certificate after they've listened to someone who's directly been impacted by impaired driving. Um, and I will come up there and build a platform, discuss the missions of MAD and build a platform for a speaker to openly say, hey, here's how this effect, uh, impacted my life, affected my life. Um, and what you want to do when you're talking to people and spreading this message to the public is to let them know our acronym is MAD, but we are not a bunch of people, strictly moms spitting razor blades and holding picket fences, <laughs> judging people. It is super important they understand that they're not there to be judged, that everybody makes mistakes, but we want them to consider the severity of consequences going forward with certain choices they make. Um, and the people who speak at the victim impact panels, they didn't go to school to learn how to speak in front of people. They never in a million years would have thought um, that they'd be speaking in a courtroom full of strangers about something that happened to them uh, because of someone's choice. Uh, but anyway, the Victim Impact Program is, is large as well in, in Louisiana. And, um, but our main fundraising event, of course, is, is our walk that we have each year. And we want to build more presence. We've got to build more presence. 
Um, going back to what you said a moment ago, Brennan, about being in the schools, what we do there, it's called the Power of Youth Presentation. And basically, we explain to the students, and again, we let them know, we kind of try to loosen up the crowd just as I would in a victim impact panel so that they're not so uptight waiting to be judged or persecuted, you know, hey, relax a little, you cut up a little, get the, the environment a little more calm to where you're also having them engage and listening to what you're saying. Um, but we see it, it was close to 5,000 minors dying a year due to binge drinking. Um, now it's at 4,300 averaging a year. So the numbers have gone down, whereas a minor, a male or female standing next to me can have the same drink I have. We both drink the drink and their brains aren't fully developed to their mid-20s, and therefore they don't process alcohol the same way that we would. And we end up seeing, you know, you know, you have friends and parties and when you're young and whatnot, and oh, so-and-so's over there, they just need to sleep it off. We're seeing over 4,000 minors still every year not wake up from sleeping it off because of alcohol poisoning. So oh we God. try to educate as often as possible. And all this sounds very, and it is very um, heavy, but uh, we want people to understand that we're also not prohibitionists. You know, we're not people that um, if you're of age to drink, that's your legal right to be able to do so. You know, we live in a state that, you know, pecan's going to fall off a tree. We're going to have a festival or crawfish time. You know, it's, 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 we have a good time here, you know, and if you're of age to be able to drink, that's your legal right to do so. But when you get behind the wheel of anything, once you've begun to become impaired, that can be um, drunk driving. That can be prescription medication you're on given to you by your doctor. Uh, that can be anything that has a warning label on the side of a box or bottle that states, do not operate heavy machinery while using this medication or may cause drowsiness. You can get popped for DWI for that. Um, we just want to educate and spread the message. And, and, and the more that we get support of that and aware, awareness that we're not people that hate others because they want to have a drink, it's when you get behind the wheel of anything that you, you have a deadly weapon, a two-ton deadly weapon. You know, it's funny you said that. I was sitting there, don't know why my brain went this direction, but it was like, you know, you say the label, don't operate heavy machinery. And then I immediately went to, you know, why do we have to have these labels? And then I thought, like, you know, people make the joke, you know, like shampoo has directions on it. Like, is this, you know, it, it, do sense. we have... Because it's not so common anymore, right? Is this, do right. we need to change the label that's like, do not operate heavy machinery or your vehicle? Well, no, because I think, um, like, you know. I mean, but if, you know, and if, uh, if you'd asked me that uh, last year, a couple of years ago, I would have said heavy machinery, oh, a bulldozer or a crane right. or yes, you know, some, some other huge thing. But our cars weigh two tons on average. Yeah. So mm. when you get behind a car, uh, when you're in no position to be driving, you're driving a weapon. And it's just as dangerous as any gun out there on the street. That's I mean, right. you're driving a two-ton vehicle. You're swerving. You're you're in no. Your um, responses are dulled. Your judgment's impaired. Mm -hmm. Everything about it. It's kind of like playing Russian roulette. You might make it home and to your destination and back. And you might not, or you might uh, kill someone or injure someone, or you might kill yourself in the process. So it's just right. you're increasing the likelihood that somebody, whether you or someone else, is going to is not going to make it home that night. So, yeah. I, I think that's what people, you know, just sometimes they don't realize, you know, they don't think, you know, it's obviously, you know, when you're making that decision, you're not thinking, but I think, you know, Sonny, you brought it up earlier in the very beginning. There's, there's so many ways now that you don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, from, it could literally be 
you know, an Uber, you know, a twelve dollar mm -hmm. Uber ride could save your life, someone else's, you know, everyone's, you know, it could literally change people's world. And so Absolutely. I can only and I'm just to, people. I'm just to illustrate exactly what you said. Um, the woman who killed my brother, she testified that uh, before they went out that night, she and her friend said, do you think we should get an Uber? And so because they made the wrong decision, you know, my brother's not here anymore, but it was such a simple question and it wasn't going to be, you know, it was going to be like maybe 15, 20 bucks. But so for 15 or 20 bucks, he's not here with us. So had she, I know if she could go back in time, she would have answered that question differently, but because she didn't, um, you know, just a massive impact on families and, and friends. So the ripple effect is unbelievable. And actually Kelly's twin brother, Scott was hailing a, a cab because they were celebrating. Um, he was celebrating with his coworker. They were doing the right thing. They were taking that step to get a ride after they'd been hanging out and celebrating, you know, and, and, in the midst of that, um, somebody who didn't make that choice. Ended tragic. Us, yes. And you know, so, also, Brandon, I want to tell you oftentimes we all have a tendency to go on autopilot from the time we're able to form an opinion of our own, say age two. My goodness, if anybody's had a two year old or been a two year old, you know that you have your own opinion. So we go on this autopilot mode of thinking, I know my ride, I know my route, I know my tolerance, I got this, let's go. And you know, it's so scary who else is out there on the road with you and around you. We don't think about it we automatically assume that's going to happen to somebody else or that's going to happen to that person who has it coming to them or this person has an addiction issue. So that's going to be them, but never the regular me or, or regular them or, you know, but we're not exempt or eliminated by something bad happening to us directly or by our own hand to someone else. You know, but I think that's something, you know, I look at it as, you know, you say autopilot. I think that's what's even makes it even scarier. So I think we could all, you know, everyone can has at least I know there's times where it's like you look up and you're like, wait, I don't even remember how did I get here? Yeah. You know, completely stone cold, uninfluenced. You're just like, wait, did I really go that far down the interstate? Like I didn't even remember right. you know, getting down and to be impaired could only you know, and it just makes it that much worse. You know, and then on top of it, you know, if you've got one guy that's impaired, you got another guy that's impaired, you know, what if these two guys are meeting each other on the road, you know, they're both their reaction times are completely different. You know, this just it seems like this is not something like I know how hard everyone is working, but it's like, why do we still have this problem? Yeah. You know, like it, it's, it's gotta be like almost, you know, like, you know, the acronym, you know, mad, and I know you said you're not mad, but it's like, I would, I, I, I get mad with it. And I can imagine, oh, sure. you know, Kelly, you get mad. It's like, you know, this is a $20 problem to solve, you know, or right. this is, you know, like, why are we not there? It. You know, why is this not, you know, I'm not one for, you know, other people to, you know, carry other people's bills, but it's almost like with all the ride share networks we've got, like, is there not yes. like a way to where it's like, can we, you know what, charge me a little bit extra money, you know, throw like five bucks on each one of my fares, put it in a fund, you know, yeah, and exactly. anytime someone, you know, calls, you know, and they're intoxicated, they get a free ride home. Right. Like, why can't we right. just charge a little bit of extra money to me? I'll pay it. Yeah, that know. would be incredible. I mean, you know, like you said, this isn't hard. We know, we know the solution. Everyone needs to get on board, but you know, it's not like an incurable cancer where we just can't figure out how to kill this cancer, how to, what are we going to do? We know, we know what has to be done and we know what the right answer is. I think it's a lot of it is um, people, you know, they go out 
and whether they intended to drink or not, and then they're stuck in a position where they're, they have higher confidence, they have less inhibitions. Well, sure, I'll drive back home, it, even though that may not be a decision they would have made if they had thought about it when they were sober. So mm-hmm. we always say make a plan in advance. Um, before you go out, figure out how you're going to get back home. Um, and if you need to leave your car there, great. If you need to call a friend, um, Sonny always says, you know, how many how many cell phone contacts do you have in your phone? A lot of people have a hundred, but let's say you just have 10. Would any one of those 10 people be willing to pick you up if you needed it in the middle of the night? Or would they, would they prefer to pay $5,000, $10,000 to bail you out of jail? Or in the worst case, would they um, prefer to identify your body in the morgue? You know, these are the circumstances we're looking at here. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something that is definitely, um, I don't know, it's been, I don't know if overlooked is the correct word, but it's, it's been um, disregarded as people being used to, especially in our culture, uh, taking, saying they got this, but we are not eliminated or exempt by something bad happening directly to us or to someone else because of an action we take. And I can't stress that enough. And I try to say that because so many people think it's just not going to happen to me. But I'll, I'll guarantee you never want to see what I see going across my computer screen on a daily basis. Um, you know, oftentimes we have speakers say, one in particular I know of, she says, I've never stood in your shoes before, but I can promise you, you don't want to stand in mine. And, you know, for these volunteer and people speaking out about this, um, it's the most selfless thing I ever get to see in my life. You know, they're opening up their most painful wound they're ever going to have. And um, for the benefit, not only of the legacy of their loved one, but for, for perfectly strangers, people they don't know, you know. And so we just want to have things that are more lighthearted, such as our walk, um, to bring awareness, raise awareness, get support, have more volunteers uh, sponsoring, you know, whatever in any way, shape or form that we can build a name, a bigger presence in Louisiana, the better. And that's what we're trying to do here. We really want to do that on a positive light, not on something that's drab and sad and this walk is going to be a tribute to loved ones that were lost, um, but it's going to be a fun friends and family event, and it, it brings knowledge and awareness to our communities coming together. And so I think that this is very, very, a very big, key, important thing to have, because um, some people, you'd be surprised in classes, you know, I ask them, I say, who here, raise, raise your hand if you decided to go out and get a DWI tonight. Well, nobody <laughs> does that, you know, who, who you don't have pom-poms for something like that, you know? Um, and it, it's, it's not that people have horrible intentions, but look what happens so often, mm-hmm. even during the pandemic, you would have thought the numbers went down, they went up. And that's just, um, I know I'm kind of hopping all over the place, but this event is something that we want to build in a positive light. And we want to bring something, um, something inspiring to our communities and our entire state. So what is, yeah, walk me through, you know, let's, you know, let's call it, you know, the elephant room, let's sell the event, you know, what is, you know, the event, we said it's, what, 18th? October 23rd, Saturday, October 23rd, weekend after next, and it's going to be at the Forest Community Park, Breck Park, right next to Canes on South Harrells Ferry, you know, Mm -hmm. not Canes, I'm sorry, the Canes Dog Park is next to it. Yeah, like and Millerville. Middle. It's like right, right there by Millerville and South Harris Ferry. So right. if you're Millerville, coming off Millerville, take right. you take a right. That's <laughs> correct. And it's on the left. Yes. And it's a beautiful park. They've just done uh, reconstruction. 
and um, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, we're going to have music and food and family and friends and a balloon arch and, you know, a 5k walk is what it is basically. And we just, um, we just try to get people together. And then we do a butterfly victim tribute at the end. We'll have uh, the Santa Mall high school choir singing. Um, but it's, it's something that we're trying to grow and we want to get the word out about it too, and have every year. We, uh, so we encourage it, people to go to our website. It's walklikemad.org slash Louisiana. And mm -hmm. um, we've had, I've, I want to say we have 110 people registered so far. Mm -hmm. And like Sunny said, just a great way to get out. You know, we've all been um, cooped up inside. And here's an opportunity to come out for a good cause, to take a stand against impaired driving, to enjoy the music in the community, to meet mm -hmm. great people, um, great food, a great community. It's just going to be a wonderful event. So what, what time do we start? When was? We'll start sign in at 8.30. And the walk starts at 9. And everybody's usually pigging out and eating by 9.30, 10. You know, and it's probably wrapped up uh, around lunchtime or so. It's, it's not a long, excruciating event kind of thing. It's, it's a happy time. It's a good time out mm. there. Kids come. We bring little ones. Yes, absolutely. Please. Please, uh, everybody's welcome. All are welcome. You got the dog park back there. You mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, bring the dog. You know, like yeah. literally just, it's um, get out of the house. Oh, yeah, you know, get just, out of the house. Get up and go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be a great morning. And I don't think that the game is, what's the game that night? That's one thing we have to think of often. But we're not interfering with any game time. Um, you know, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a great day. We're excited. Well, so you, yeah, I would say you come. Welcome. You do the walk so you don't feel guilty for what you do at the tailgate. Right. So you, you balance right. back out, right? And Uber yourself back home after that game. But I think it's an away game that weekend. But at any game, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, tell me anything else that we're missing. I think this is amazing what you guys are doing. I can I'm trying to think of how we can help get this word out. We're going to do what we can here. But I think it's 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 critical. Like, you know, you said, Kelly, we know how to solve this problem. This is a solvable problem. This mm -hmm. is just getting it into people's heads. And people, you know, I would argue that probably half, I don't know, you know, if I'd say, you know, not necessarily half the battle, but the problem is people need to just be willing to stand up to their friends, you know, yeah. and be the mean guy, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember I used to tell people this all the time as, you know, we were through school and did everything. You can be as mean as you want. Take their keys to whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're not going to remember the next day. You know, like you can just be <laughs> like, yeah, you had me bring you home. So or some was, people that are younger, to... they'll hold, they'll have hesitancy because they don't want to look like the dweeb who can't handle their stuff, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's, you're talking a matter of life and death here in so many circumstances. And, um, but yeah, it is, you know, change the perception. Now, hopefully the cool thing will be to call an Uber, which many people have begun to do. Um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, is it can, inconvenient to go pick up your car the next day? Not really. If it's inconvenient to send your parents or loved ones to the morgue where, where you could be. Yeah, exactly. Oftentimes, you know, and I even say, um, in class that oftentimes people, um, it, it's just, I'll ask them how many of you have ever lost a loved one due to an illness cancer, heart disease, all of us can raise our hand to that. You know, it's such a heartbreaking, um, helpless feeling you have when a loved one is sick because you can't do anything about it. And then I'll ask them, what is the difference 
uh, and losing a loved one due to an illness in comparison to losing a loved one due to impaired driving. What's the difference in those deaths? Seldom people will say, you know, on occasion people will say, well, you know, it's common, but typically you don't hear too many people raise their hand and say it's preventable. One is preventable, 100% preventable. Like Kelly said, we don't need to find a cure. We don't, we're probably the only organization, nonprofit organization that isn't fighting for a cure because there already is one. So um, we also, we also like the terminology um, crash, not accident. So when you see there's an impaired driving accident, well, tell me which part was accidental, the consuming alcohol, the doing the drugs and then getting in the two ton car. So, you know, there were a lot of choices to be made to get up there that led to that crash. So um, an accident implies that no one's at fault, but a, a crash is more of an accurate term. So there, it's all about choices. When you choose to go out and have a good time, good for you, have a great time. But when you make the choice to become impaired in the slightest bit and get behind the wheel of vehicle, that's where there are no accidents. You can't say it's an accident. You make a choice. That's a choice made. Absolutely. Well, I tell everybody you got better things to do than sit around and talk to me all day. So I appreciate you guys, you know, coming in. I'd love to say, you know, let's see how the wall goes. Let's have you come back, you know, tell us, you know, what happened. And then, especially on some of these things, I've recently been telling, you know, we try to help get the word out, you know, for the walk and we put that together. But at the end of the day, between now and the 23rd, you know, we've got a walk. But after the 23rd, we still have the same problem that we did today. Yes. Correct. You know, it's not going to go away. We're not going to go walk this off. You know, right. it's not going to disappear. So I'd say, you know, let's have you guys come back. Let's tell, you know, I hate to say tell stories, but you get what I mean. You know, really, you know, keep this. This is a top of mind, you know, thing that needs to be had. You know, people need to know. I think we need everyone and, you know, from the waitress to the waiter to the friend to, you know, the family. You know, I grew up in a house to where it was kind of I was always told you know look it doesn't matter you could always call you know or call you know I had yeah. a friend whose parents they said you know look we didn't care you could call no matter what you know you weren't in trouble you'd be better and I think we need to come back to that because mm-hmm. I think maybe when you were telling me some of those numbers I would you know and this is by no means researched facts this is just gut I feel like we hear so much now about you know kind of the opioid epidemic and you know yeah. people there that it's kind of putting a shadow on some of this like drinking and driving or right. getting, you know, high or, you know, right. like, oh, I can drive like Absolutely. some of that stuff. Like it's, you know, both are horrible, you know, but it's like, Hey, we need to bring this back to where kind of come back to the fundamentals. Right. Some of this. And so. impaired is impaired, but you're absolutely right. A lot is overshadowed. Um, but it's all in the same family of being impaired. Uh, so whatever mm. we can do to help uh, broaden the awareness and prevent these things from happening we'll do it. We're ready, you know? So um, we appreciate what you've done here. And, you know, Brendan, if ever there comes a time that you want us to, or want us to come back and have a speaker talk about like we do in the victim impact panels and give their, their insight. And they're, they're all incredible people. Everybody's got a different story. Nobody has the same circumstances, but they all have this passion to get the message out there. And it is just incredible to hear. I mean, really, I'd love to do I'd like to do that, you know, one for two reasons. One, I think, you know, not everybody gets to go sit in that class. You know, right. obviously you don't want to be in that class, right? That's the one right. where you got the DWI, you need to, you know, maybe bring some of that out to the public, yes. but also the, you know, I've got a, I've got a 13 year old daughter and eight year old twin boys. 
And the boys are not so much worried about right now, but my daughter, there's certain things that I can say, you know, hey, come sit down and watch this with me. That's not going to fly half the time. But right. I can just, I can text a link and say, yeah, I don't care when, but do me a favor and just promise me you'll watch this in the next, you know, 72 hours. Well, let me, that and that's could be impactful because she's approaching the age where soon she, they're going to, she's going to be in cars with friends that have their license before her. Then she's going to get her. So you, you will have, a, my daughter is 17 and, and, and that's, she was four yesterday, you know, so it goes by so mm-hmm. quickly and you want to prepare them as well. Um, but there are also some that we offer. We tell people, hey, if you don't have to have a certificate to take this class and you want to watch it as preventative measure, bring your child who's about to get their license to get an in some insight on what could happen if they make you know the wrong decision. Bring them, bring them to the class. Let them sit in. You know, is it a shame? People come in tense and you know head down and whatnot when they walk in because they think they're there for mad people that are angry and, and, and maybe there's emotion there. Sure. But they leave there feeling completely different and eyes are opened. And that is everything in preventative measure too. No, I think that's, you know, that's, what's important. I think at the end of the day, if we can catch people, like you said, you don't want someone to feel that they're the weirdo or, you know, look down on for their driving. You know, it's, you know, I told my daughter, sure you probably did the same thing you know I've been telling her since she was old enough to understand I'm like girls are just mean just get used to it they're just mean right now and yeah. just get used to it they're mean they're mean they're mean they're mean and it's funny now you know we joke we'll pick her up from some activities we're like yeah they're just right they're mean yeah. but I feel like I'm like maybe because I told her they were mean from the beginning it wasn't a surprise maybe if we Could could be. start telling them from the beginning preventative like, measure hey, <laughs> right out of the gate like it doesn't matter. Let's let me show you what this is going to affect. Let me show you the impact that this potentially could have on someone's life to where if you it, who cares yeah. if you've got to take the Uber by yourself, you take the Uber by yourself. If That's you've got right. to call me, you know, if you've got to take, you know, I can distinctly remember is, you know, being in college and taking someone's keys. It wasn't me, but the group, someone literally just took someone's keys and just threw them as far as they could. Wow. I don't know if they ever even found them, but it's like whatever it takes. Right. Yeah. You know, and get over it, you know? So if you've got to be the one to take the keys and chuck them into a field, you know, chuck them in a field. Or you you put them in your pocket and say, I don't know, bro. I don't know where they went. Yeah. No telling. (laughs) I can't find them either. So, but you know, it's Um, also important that we bring awareness for people to not get in a vehicle with someone who's been drunk or been drinking and, you know, intoxicated or whatnot, even if they're sober and they don't think, Oh, I can drive or, you know, there's so many hesitancies that we need to change. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we will. I, I think we and will. And to Sunny's point, just a really quick story to illustrate Sunny's point. One of our previous MAD presidents, I want to say it was Colleen Sheehy Church. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, always told her son, don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drive impaired. And he didn't. But she never, oh, well, she blamed, you know, she she never told him don't get in the car with someone who's driving. Yeah. Around. So um, so he was in the car, in the back seat of a car, and uh, there was a driver and someone in the front passenger seat. They drove and they drove, I guess, off. Somehow they ended up in water. Mm-hmm. Um, the impaired driver got out of the car. The front passenger got out of the car. But unfortunately, her son uh, wasn't able to get out and he drowned. So it, oh, just to Sunny's point, um, don't ever get in the car with an impaired driver. Don't, uh, you know, avoid that situation if you can right. entirely. And, and if your friend insists on driving impaired, 
you know, call 911. We all have cell phones. The the um, vehicle tag number is this, and he's going this way uh, on this road. So to the extent we can, you know, we can all do something. There's something, always could, something that can be done for preventative we, measure. You could flatten a tire. True. <laughs> That's a good idea. We've got a lot of good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> flatten the tire, you know, at the right. end of the day, get over it. And so, yeah, well, no, yeah. I think it'd be great. Why don't we uh, see if we can set that up and, you know, we'll check in. We'll see kind of how the walk went. We'll put some of this together and then maybe do set up cool. kind of a regular cadence, you know, that to kind of amazing. stay top of mind. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. Look, we appreciate you, re- you you all allowing us to to do this. I appreciate your time and 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 any word we can get out, we're grateful for. Absolutely. Well, like I said, you got more important things to do than talk to me, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, we'll talk to everybody soon. Sounds good. Hey, and you got my cell, so call or text anytime. Just don't give it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, Brandon. Thank you.